0: Bye Hey, wait
1: You know my father? Correction, I know your father
0: I hate to tell you this But he died A long time ago
1: Nope, wrong again (laughs) He's alive
0: And I'll show
1: him to you You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on! Don't talk! Hurry up! Oh, wait, wait! Come on! Come on! Would you slow down?
0: That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard.
1: You see, he lives in you. you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life.
0: How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the
1: one true king.
2: Remember who you are. Now, not all of the theology of Lion King is going to line up. <laughs> but what I want you to grab is, remember who you are. And who are we? We are the children of God. We have a challenging passage this morning, but I hope that at the end that you will feel encouraged, that you will walk out of here knowing whether or not you are a child of God or not. And I, I want to just walk this, us through a, a few of these passages. We are the children of God. There is in the, we're, we're looking uh, today, 1st John 2.28 to 3.10. And I actually want to start at the very end and just read this verse to us, just so we get a, a sense. It says this in 1st John 3.10. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. How do we know that we are children of God? And it's this idea that we have been born again, that we are reborn, there is a new birth. And how do we live into that and also deal with? our sin. I, I want to just walk through a couple of questions that have been circulating for me this week, and hopefully over the course of our time together, uh, we will get some answers. So first one, how do we as Christians deal with our sinfulness and try to live in full assurance? Assurance, knowing for sure, living with confidence, knowing that we have salvation, that our salvation is intact. How do we do that and also deal with our sinfulness. Or another way to say it, how do we as Christians deal with the conflict of the reality of our new birth? Or regeneration, which just means new birth, and our ongoing sin? Or how do we as Christians balance the danger of losing full assurance of salvation? The danger of losing our full assurance of our salvation with the danger of assuming that we were ever born again to begin with. Or how do we, as Christians, enjoy our insurance of being born again and not take lightly the remaining sin in our lives? There is a conflict for us because we... Many of us would call ourselves children of God, that we are living our lives as much as possible as Christians, but we have this nagging thing in our lives called sin. And there's some passages, there's some verses that we're going to go through that feel somewhat problematic. I want you to see from the get-go, 1 John 2.28 says, Now, little children, John is writing this as an old man, and very, in a tender way, draws his people to him, and he says, Little children, abide to remain in him, abide in him so that when he appears, he is coming again, when he appears, that we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If he is coming again and we are to remain in him, how do we have that confidence The goal of this book, you can look in chapter 5 of First John, and it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, who believe in Jesus. Why? So that you may know that you have eternal life. That's John's goal. There is no greater book that would give us, and he outlines it over and over again as we look through some of these passages this morning and through the rest of this series. John is trying to get his people to know and to believe for sure that they have eternal life. Now, I don't know if you have ever questioned it, uh, I think I may have told this story years ago, but my wife and I were in the nosebleed section of Angel Stadium right behind home plate. It was a little bit after 9-11 and there was a great thing that was happening on the field, very patriotic, and we were going to remember a huge American flag out on the field and we're singing. And off in the distance, so I'm behind home plate and I'm looking out across center field and off in the distance I see this huge bomber plane coming and it's flying really low. And it is coming towards us. And since, you know, I'm only like six feet away from the very top of the stadium, I'm thinking it's a little too close for comfort. And everybody is singing the national anthem, and I'm holding my wife's hand, and I'm looking, and I'm looking around to see, does anybody else see what is going on here? And for a moment, or two, or four, I started to question my salvation. My assurance was not all there. So in my mind, as we're singing the national anthem, and as I'm watching this plane... Come towards us, I start to confess sin. And Lord, if it didn't take when I was five, I hope that it's taking now. And thankfully, it was just one of those awesome little flyovers. But even this week, I had an amazing experience. Uh, I, I, I try to be good. I try uh, to not be on my phone while driving. It's, 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 a, it's a work in progress. But I was trying to find something because Siri can't do everything. Um, I pull over and I'm in the parking lot At Tustin Avenue and Chapman Avenue, right there where the fresh and easy is. And I'm trying to look something up in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, my back door opens. I'm all by myself. My back door opens. And somebody whom I have never met gets into the back of my car. If you've been here in the last month, you know I'm a little on edge. Okay? Now... (laughs) Again, I start to think to myself, what unconfessed sins do I have? Lord, if it didn't take when I was five or at the Angels game right now, this may this be the moment, I'm not sure I have confidence and I turn around, (laughs) can I help you? And the guy looks up at me and he says, Uber? And I said, Uber, no, no, not Uber. Uber. This is not, definitely not Uber. He's all, I'm so sorry. And he got out of my car just at the time where his friend was coming in on the other side. And I was just like, praise the Lord, I'm still here. But my confidence in my assurance at those moments in my life, I start to question. Now, what John is trying to get at is that we need to know Do you know for sure that you have eternal life? In in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. We'll get to that next week. But Jesus even says in John chapter 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death and into life. Do you live every day with that confidence? I want you to know if Jesus is coming back again, and if we are to abide in him, and when he comes, we do not want to look at him in shame, how are we to live? How do we live a holy life in preparation for his return? And so I want to spell out a couple of ways. Number one, he's given us God. We have God, the Father, and our Father Loves us. Our identity should be so rooted and grounded in the Father's love. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 with me, and it says this See, or some of your translations say, Behold, don't read that too quickly. Like, take a step back and gaze. Look, behold, how great a love the Father has bestowed or blessed, given to us that we would be called children of God. We are children of God and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him, beloved. Now, we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet to what we will be. I mean, look around. We get sick. We have trouble, right? We do not look how we look, how we are going to look in the future. We have not become what we will be. We know that when He appears, looking forward, when He appears, we will be like Him. We will be like Him. Because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone, everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. We will be like him. We have a father who loves us. Behold what manner of love the father. See how great our father's love is. What I want to do this morning, and it's a little risky, but not that much. I just want to break this up this morning. That we would just sit for a couple minutes in this thought, in this idea that, that we have a God that loves us. I want to show you that if we are supposed to be expectant and look to our, our future and His appearing, and we have full assurance with that, um, that we could look at how we are supposed to live. And so the first thing I want us to do just this morning is to just kind of marinate in this idea. To think about this idea that we have a Father who loves us and that He calls us His beloved children and and i this is the risky part but i've debated and i even 12 times this morning i said no i'm not going to do it but i'm going to do it anyway um i just want to sing uh i want to i want to just sing a couple of songs real quick and i I want you to join and and even this is a song uh that we do with our 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 kids and children's ministries are used to about 40 years ago but that's okay um, but just to sit in this for a moment and, and just to say that we have a God that loves us and that we can, can rest. So I, I want to sing two songs Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us. And then there's another one that just says, He knows my name. And so let's sing this and be prayerful about it. And let's worship God as we do this. Is this thing on and we working? And lovely. Good. Um, Let's sing together. Here we go. Behold what manner of love
0: the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we... Oh, Lord, the Father Father. I have a Father. He calls me His own. He'll never leave me, no matter where I go. He knows my name.
2: God, right now we just call upon you. God, would you speak to us as a loving and tender father. God, prepare our hearts for what you have for the rest of this time together. But may it all be grounded in the fact and in the weightiness of knowing that we are your children. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I can relax. So we have God. We have a father that loves us. But he's also given us his son. And his son died for us and he is our advocate. Now, verse 29 if you go back, chapter 2, verse 29, 1 John it says if you know, if you know that he is righteous, then you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. That's the end of chapter 2. And I believe that verses 1 through 3 are somewhat parenthetical. And then we get to verse 4 in chapter 3. And then it says, everyone... So we just talked about practicing righteousness. You know you're born of God. But now everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Why did Jesus come in the first place? It's being answered right here. First of all, if you practice sin, that is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And then it says that he appeared. Why do we have Christmas? Well, reason number one, Jesus came. He appeared to take away sin. We have sin in the world. Jesus came and he wants to take that away. That's reason number one. We're going to get to number two in a second. But Jesus appeared to take away sins. Remember that. Then in verse seven, it says, little children, make sure that no one deceives you. Don't be deceived, for the one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And then it says, The one who practices sin is of the devil. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning, but the Son of God appeared. Jesus appeared. For this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So just like sin, if we practice sin, sin is lawlessness, we have sin in the world. He appears and he comes to take away sin. Well, then we read in verse 8, the devil has come. If we sin, we are of the devil. Now I'll get to that in a second. And it says the son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. So we have two fantastic reasons why Jesus came in the first place. He came to destroy the works of the devil and to take away sin. Now, we have to be careful here and we have to watch because some of us have just indicted ourselves. We read that and say, hold on a second, I sin. Does that mean that I am no longer a child of God and I'm now a child of the devil? There's a word in here that's practice. the one who practices sin, the one who practices lawlessness. Are we practicing sin and lawlessness or are we practicing righteousness? Now, baseball fever hit our home this spring. I had the opportunity to coach both of my boys in Little League and just something took off. It's gone bigger than anything. I could, they, they just spend all the time. In fact, uh, Jed, our middle one, came up to my wife this week and said, Mom, Baseball is my life. <laughs> and it's pretty true. I mean, they get up at six something, but then by like 6.30, they're out in the backyard and they're playing baseball just constantly and they're working on pitching and one wants to be the greatest hitter of all time, one wants to be the greatest uh, pitcher of all time and they are just practicing baseball all the time. Now, there's a difference between us sinning and us practicing baseball. Sin. It's to have sin so habitually ingrained in us. And I, I want to even just get later on to just talk about what, what is it that like, is our heart, is our gut, is there anything in us that is saying, no, no, you've got to stop this. Is there any response? Is the spirit alive and moving in us or do we just continue to sin? But it, it says here in verse seven, and this is pivotal pivotal, little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Now, there are some people, there are heretics that, that John is writing about. And I don't want to give it away because it's coming in the next couple of weeks, but if you just peek in, in chapter four, Chapter 4 says that we're supposed to test the spirits. We're supposed to look, and we've talked about this a little bit, but it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. There is a group of people that John is writing against, and they are saying that you have to separate Jesus from his flesh. That the second person in the Trinity, the pre-existent Jesus, he did not come in flesh. And there was this separation not only from Jesus and his flesh, but us from our flesh. So we could sin outwardly, but that's our body. They would even go so far sometimes to say that your body, the flesh, is just sin. But ignore that part. You know internally that you are a child of God divorced completely from your actions. And so they are separating and they're they're looking. Now they, they believe that 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 Jesus when he came he he did not that he did not come in his flesh that there was no d- divinity there. And you could look. Jesus did not just take on humanity and wear it. He did not just take on flesh and wear it for 33 years and then just surrender it up and now he's this invisible being. I want you to understand that when Jesus took on humanity, that is for eternity. That when he ascended, they saw him ascend. And when he comes back, he says that I will come back in the same way. That right now, if we could be in his presence, we could reach out and we could touch his flesh somehow, mysteriously, in a way that I don't understand. Humanity has been perfectly folded into the Trinity forever. But for us, for this part, for our lives here, we have this flesh. And it is corruptible, but it can't be divorced. It has to be a part of us. Make sure that no one deceives you. They say you could be holy on the inside no matter what your flesh did on the outside, and then you were able to maintain full assurance of your salvation despite your sinful actions. Make sure that no one deceives you. And that word deceive, don't let them deceive you to the point that you are now deceiving yourself. So they tried to separate it, and they said that you can be righteous without having to practice righteousness. But our spiritual being, our newness, our rebirth is validated by, it is validated by what happens in our flesh. Again, going back to 2.29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who also practices, also who practices righteousness is born of him. When you look at your life and you say, I sin. it's okay, I'm all right, everything's fine, and we just kind of keep going on, and you don't have any righteous works that are validating your faith, then we are in trouble. What I want us to do, I'm gonna have the worship team come up. We are going to worship Jesus. And we are going to be thankful for Jesus. We're going to sing a song, but I want us to remember as we do this, is that we need to worship a Jesus who takes away sins. That he came to destroy the works of the devil. And so in this song, the song is called Man of Sorrows. In this song, this is just a call for us to remember If we're looking forward to Jesus coming back and that he is going to appear, how are we living today? Are we living in such a way that our works, what we are practicing, would bring us shame? Or are we practicing righteousness that would bring him joy? So let's do this. Let's take a few moments. And let's remember what he's done. We're not going to come and do the stations just yet. But I want us to just be into the song and let's worship Jesus right now. God, the Father who loves us, who calls us his little children, and He's given us His Son, Jesus Christ, who has died for us, and He is our advocate. And I also believe that God has given us the Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives in us and helps us in our time of need. Listen to this verse. This is 1 John 3 9. It says this. No one who is born of God practices sin. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed, God's seed, abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now listen. The practice of sin is evidence of not being born of God. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, abiding in you, the Holy Spirit cannot make peace with the practice of sin in our lives. John rejects this idea of sinlessness. He is not saying that there is not a believer, there is no Christians who just don't sin. The heretics, they made sinlessness possible and therefore your soul is clean. But John is not saying that we don't sin. If you are sitting in here and you are a child of God, you are a Christian, you know that we have sin. And John is saying that we have sin. Look, here's a couple of passages that we've already hit. In 1 John 1.8, he says, if we, have, if we say that we have no sin, then we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We have sin. If we say that we have no sin... It's it's not we had no sin. If we say that we we he's saying, look, this is part of what we have. Now the the next passage is I think is crucial, pivotal. I I think that we need to pay attention to this one because this is a a fulcrum verse. He says, My little children, I am writing these things to you, this is in two one, that you may not sin. But and if anyone sins, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. Who is that? It's Jesus Christ, the righteous. When we sin, we have an advocate. We go and the advocate pleads on our behalf to the Father. Jesus Christ is the advocate. We run to him when we sin. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, we need to go to God and we confess our sins. He's faithful and just. And we're going to hit this in, in a couple of weeks, but in 1 John 5, it says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sin not leading to death. So there are sins that don't lead to death, but then he says, there is also a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. So he says there's sin leading to death and there's sin not leading to death, which sounds very confusing and we'll really pull that out in a few weeks. But I want you to hear this. There is a point where all of us, when we sin, we say that's the last time I ever do that again. I don't ever want to do that again because what I thought I was going into it for did not give me what I was hoping for. And we come up empty. But we think that at some point we will be able to repent. If it's not tonight, maybe it's going to be next week. Maybe it's next month. Maybe it's in a few years. And I tell you that that sin continues to grab hold of us and our heart continues to grow harder and colder to the Spirit of God. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read about the story of a guy who wanted to repent and couldn't. His name is Esau. I want you to see this. This is such an amazing passage. It says, this, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright, his sonship, sold his birthright, for a single meal. Man that better have been the best meal he ever had. Do you think he got hungry again the next day? Yeah. How did his story end? For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Why? For he found no place for repentance. So he sought for it with tears. Esau comes to the end of his life and he wants the blessing. He wants eternal life. He wants salvation. And he can't even get himself to the point of repenting. And he, would, he was trying to repent. He sought it with tears, but his heart had grown so hard and so cold. And my fear is for us that we continue to put off sin and, and getting rid of it out of our lives And we say, I can take care of it later, and when the time comes to do it, we will just never get there, and we will never find repentance, no matter how hard we try, because we are just so sold into our sin. Don't put off repentance, because you don't know the hold that it can have, the hold that sin can have in our lives. We have to do something with it. And so because of that, I want to just, I want to speak to two groups. And we're all in here. The first group, and, and it's mentioned throughout the book of First John many times, 10, 15 times. He deals with our hypocrisy. That we, on the outside, look one way, but internally that we are not practicing what we preach. There is a, a divorce between what's happening within us inside and what's happening outside. And so what happens for us is we become numb. We become lukewarm to our own sin, and we lose vigilance, and we stop fighting the fight. And then our identity in our minds changes. We are no longer thinking of ourselves as the sons and the daughters of the king. We become numb and discouraged, and and then our identity changes. Uh, And I'll just, real talk here, like... Big for me, right now, where I'm at in my life, I am 30 pounds heavier than I want to be. Now, not 30 pounds overweight according to what the doctor, that's probably like 100, but who cares? BMI, M I, whatever. But I want you to know, like for me, like that, in my identity, the thing that I think about and I obsess about is, man, <laughs> this is not where I want to be. I've forgotten something. And and at this point in my life, and like I, I hurt my ankle, remember me rolling up here in that thing, and I stopped working out, and like, but I, I stopped being vigilant. When I am on and I'm doing it, like I'm drinking my protein shakes and lots of water, and like broccoli sounds good to me. It never sounds good, but I eat it anyway. And but I'm like on it. But like at this point, like honestly, where I am at, and like I'm just so like crazy busy with stuff. Like I just stop, and I I don't lose I I, I don't become aware of some of these things. And so I just like, man, that plate of cookies looks really good. Or, man, that looks really wonderful. And like working out, like, no. I don't want to have any part of that. And we do that with our sin. We just become numb and, and lukewarm. For us as believers, when we get there, when the born-again person experiences this we gotta go to First John three nine. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Look, when an unbeliever sins, it is a creature sinning against the creator. It's sinning against the law. But when a Christian sins, we sin against our father. We are sinning against love. I read a story about a Sunday school class uh, trying to teach a group of junior hires about the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam being Adam, like Adam and Eve brought into the world. And the last Adam is, is Jesus. And, and he was, it says in First Corinthians 15 that he's a life-giving spirit. Jesus is. And so trying to get this idea that we have these like natures in us and there, there's, there's a fight. And God says that when we're tempted that, that we won't be tempted past the point that we can't withstand that, First Corinthians 10, 13 but that we have, we have help. That the Spirit of God, if God's seed abides in us, if we are newborn, then there's hope for us. And so as this teacher is teaching this group of junior hires about the first Adam and the last Adam, he says, so when sin comes knocking at my door, if I send the first Adam there, I will sin. If I send the second Adam, the last Adam, then I will have victory over it. And that's exactly it. When you are in this place of just, you know what, my sin, I'm practicing sin and it doesn't affect me, it doesn't impact me, um, and we just become numb to it, then my prayer is that we understand from this passage here that the Spirit of God awaken us to the danger and we run to our advocate and we become renewed. If that is where you are. If you want assurance, the Spirit of God cannot make peace with that sin, the practice of sin in our lives. But on the other side, some of us might be discouraged. Become discouraged that efforts in your spiritual life are just not enough. That that you might think that you are not born again because of the lack of evidence in your life. That even though you're trying to do good works and you're doing certain things, that every little thing that I do is going to kick me out of the grace of God. And when... The new birth Christian believer gets to that point in their walk. You go to 1 John 2 1. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That's it. Where are you at? Where are you at in that spectrum? We want to worship God and we want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we have this assurance of faith that God is working in us, that He is made alive in us. So the invitation for you is twofold. If you are not a child of God, then there's an invitation this morning to become a child of God. In John five twenty four, we said, if you believe in Him, you will pass from death to life. His atoning work for us on the cross. That is the good news. And we put our trust in our faith. And wherever you're at on this spectrum, if you are numb and lukewarm, then awaken. May your soul be awakened this morning. And that awakening, the Spirit calling you out and saying, Stop living this way, that is evidence that you are a child of God and to start practicing righteousness and to be righteous as He's righteous. And if you just feel like I'm never going to be enough, I'm never going to be good enough for God, Run to your Father. Run to your advocate. When we sin, when we mess up, we say, I have an advocate, and his name is Jesus. Um, We want to worship. We're going to sing a couple more songs this morning. And I want to invite you, we have stations around the room, and here, um, to be thankful as we take the bread and the cup, to remember why Jesus came, to destroy the works of the devil and to take away sin, that he did that, and so symbolically we take the bread and the cup and we remember his body and his blood poured out for us and we give and there's an opportunity for you to give your offerings here at the different stations and we pray um, we have uh, the prayer points on both sides of me and we just want to pray wherever you are at this morning please come out in boldness and say this is where I am at and that's okay you're not going to scare us away and we're not going to say really that bad wow we're all there So let me pray and then let's worship God in spirit. He is here and wants to do this work. And don't leave because I have something special at the very end, all right? little teaser, all right? Let's pray. God, work in us. God, by the power of your spirit, would you just set us free? Help us to live as your children. Help us to be looking forward to your return that we would not cower and hide in shame, but God, that we've been abiding all along, work in us and in our hearts. Don't let sin take a hold of us, that we would find, even this morning, repentance, and that you would meet us with your grace. So Spirit of God, be alive and be working in this place right now, in our lives, in Jesus' name, amen.